Hello and welcome to episode 11 of... Oh no, do you know what? Do you know what 11 makes me think of? What? The Berniston sketch. Yeah, 11. Yeah. Wait, wait, so. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode... 11. Of How Not, the brand new shiny podcast hosted by me, Luca Manning. And me, Kim McCary. I thought you weren't going to make that there because you were about to take a swig, oh, but yeah, you made it. got it. Uh, we're two gobby Scottish creatives who like to talk about the big stuff. And we know now that you do, in fact, like to listen. Our podcast is here to remind you to always be good troublemakers. Think big and ask, how not? How are we, Kim? Good. Should I give you my best things of this week? Yeah, go on. One. Did the gig the other day. First gig since hey, 31. Tell us about that. It was lovely. It was a duo gig with Andrew Woodhead at, at Oliver's. Oh, yeah. In the, in the deep south of London. Um, yeah, it was really nice. And there's a pub nearby called the Prince of Greenwich, oh, which yeah. has the most amazing gluten-free pizza. Happy times all right. So well done, everyone there. Yeah. Um, other thing, today... My father-in-law sent to the family group chat a picture of a horse's anus. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't his. Um, yep. Um, so father-in-law, well, in-laws uh, live on a farm, have lots of horses. Um, this is the time where foals are born. So sent one photo of mummy and baby foal. Lovely. That's cute. And then followed it up with just an anus. <gasps> Don't know why we need to see that, but we do. What was the caption? Uh, oh, there's no caption. Oh, okay. Provided without context. Uh, so yeah. Wow. So that's my week in a nutshell. How about you? Um, I don't know if I can top that. <laughs> to be honest, um, what have I done? A lot of things. <laughs> I don't know. I just stro- I started off. I had a stroll around Soho on Monday because I went to the Jazz FM studios mm-hmm. to do. So there's a thing coming out on Saturday night. Um, so this podcast will be out by the time that's out um, but I took part in a discussion uh, with some other LGBTQ plus artists mm-hmm. uh, which was really fun actually it was really lovely a nice moment to kind of reflect on everything and yeah I don't know I, I don't have anything much to report I did want to something that did catch my eye that I was just talking to you about was mm. this ongoing kind of discussion around this song released by Santi Storm this song Kawaii World and Santi Storm is a white British TikToker slash pop star. And this tune is like such a kind of visceral and explicit um, kind of example of appropriation in its kind of most cruel form and its most kind of, I don't know how to describe it, ugly form, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and there's, you know, been some people um, speaking up very courageously about um you know why this is wrong and i feel like that it's part of the wider kind of um problem surrounding kind of um racism against as against asian people and, and the whole kind of stop asian hate movement and i think it's again just being left up to the very people that it affects to try and spread the word yeah. and and to educate people you know you you haven't yet seen um white folk take the same um kind of proactive stance that Mm -hmm. they did during the summer during the black lives matter movements and i don't mean to compare um i'm not making those situations comparable sure i'm merely pointing out um a a slight hypocrisy in people's behavior Mm -hmm. um but um there is a discussion being had and there is solidarity being shown um and i watched two great videos one by 
Shay Shay, so that's at Shay Shay Show on Insta, and Jason Kwan at Jason Kwan Music. And these two incredible performers and activists speak very eloquently about why this song is wrong and how it kind of actively perpetuates violence. So the the direct link between cultural appropriation and the violence that Asian people experience that obviously we don't know about because we're not part of that community. So this is why it's so important to kind of have our eyes and ears open and, and to stand in solidarity with people. And yeah, it just really made me kind of stopped me in my tracks and was like wow like I, I'm I've not thought about this enough and yeah and don't realize you know you see these tunes and I'm like oh that's appropriated bullshit and like let's go past it but actually I don't feel the direct results of of, of what that yes means, you know yeah absolutely so, yeah. yeah that was something that, that definitely caught my eye um and I suppose this week I've been reading about what we're about to talk yeah. about which has been really fun yeah um do you want to go ahead and introduce so today we are talking about the Gorilla Girls, everyone's favourite art world dissidents. Yeah. Um, and the reason we decided to do it this week was because they are, well, they've been commissioned by Art Night um, to um, do a billboard campaign. So a lot of their work is posters and billboards, as we'll talk about in a minute. Um, so there's a, they're going to unveil a number of billboards across England. Uh, and I think there's one in Wales. Uh, tomorrow, they'll they'll be there for a month, and it's part of a, their project called the Male Greys. I love that, uh, which is great, and uh, so which is a kind of callback to something that they one of their sort of most famous um, kind of images, which is a poster that says, "Do women have to be naked to get into the Met Museum?" Which was um, identifying that the Met Museum had 5% of its um, work being made by women, but 85% of the nudes were Were depicting women. women. Um, And so the male greys is a kind of, I guess, a look to see, well, where are we now? And asking people to go into their local museums and art galleries and do a little Good, do, do a little a count. Research, yeah. Um, and they're going. They sort of collect all that data because I guess um, they. This is kind of looking back over the last, I guess, thirty years. Um, have we changed? Has there been a movement? And yeah, so it was a nice time to do them because they have. A, I don't think they've done anything in the UK since they did meltdown. The Tate. Oh, they did something at the Tate. That's right. Yeah. And then Yoko no was the curator of Meltdown Festival at South Bank, I think in 2013. They did something there as well. Right. So um, it's very nice to have them back. I mean, they, they've been very active. They've been, I mean, they've been around for 40 years. Is yeah. that right? About 40 years. And um, are they kind of based in New York, would you say, or, or across the States? Is it- it's pro- it, it was centred, definitely kind of grew out of New York. And yeah. there's probably, because, well, yeah, a big part of their thing is they are an anonymous collective. Yeah. Um, so I guess theoretically they could be anywhere know. but yeah. yeah it definitely is a is that's a New the York exciting movement. thing i suppose so yeah I, what i find really exciting about the gorilla girls is um that that sense of anonymity that they could be anywhere and that they find real power in that you know it, it takes the the kind of personality politics out of their activism right and you don't get attached to um specific personas and people and egos and therefore it's, it's really about the movement itself and, yeah. and, and the force and the power, but also that sense of anonymity brings, you know, they could be anywhere. They could be in your boardrooms. They could be in your infiltrating your the very spaces that they're trying to change, which yeah. is so exciting. 
Um, and they each take on, so they wear these quite amazing gorilla masks. Yeah. But it's, so it's spelled gorilla in the sense of a resistance movement, but then obviously they wear these gorilla masks. And um, they each take a name of like a famous female artist as a kind of, al- what do you call it, an alibi or a... Yeah, sort of pseudonym. A pseudonym, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's like Frida Kahlo and whatever. Yeah, and, and that started because they there was going to be a... One of them was going to be interviewed on the radio. It was the morning that Georgia O'Keefe died. Right. And I get a lot... Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of their work is to do with interrogating the underrepresentation of women mm. and people of colour in the art world. And so, you know, they wanted... For this one radio show took the the name George O'Keefe as a kind of tribute to mm-hmm. O'Keefe. But also then is an interesting thing about, you know, keeping those names relevant. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's such a direct way of like, say their name. Yeah. Like, literally keeping someone's name alive because you are taking it. Exactly. You, you are, are making the host have to say it. And, and you know, it's, it's just a very kind of physical way of like keeping a name being said isn't yeah it? And, and penetrating that yeah, yeah definitely and I, I think they they're a really interesting group for lots of reasons but the i think they sort of this thing about the use of pseudonyms and anonymity is in protest or an activism is really interesting and there's i guess there's yeah there's pros and cons to it but they're a really interesting example of like of collective action um, rather than kind of individual activism, which Absolutely. is very Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's not about any one individual. It's like yeah. the sum of the parts are far greater than any one individual. And 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 it was interesting because in that, you sent me an amazing podcast interview that they did about this upcoming um, commission. Mm-hmm. And some, the, the person from the art newspaper or whatever it was, was like, you know, what if someone really wanted to get into activism like this and... and and they kind of said, well, you, you know, don't wait for us. Like, yeah. Do it. You know, you can, we are not the be all and end of this movement. But equally, you know, it's not, there's not an open sign up sheet. It's, yeah. They're so well, you can tell they're such a well oiled machine in what they do. And it must be a, quite a, a special group of people, very kind of, close knit to to pull off what they've pulled off i mean they've went into some of the major art galleries and institutions in the world and pulled off some amazing direct action yeah it's in such subtle ways that people haven't even clocked on until way later you know and and it's quite amazing and you would need kind of yeah by not having the whole bravado and ego and i suppose what we see in a lot of the more masculinized sense of activism sure yeah um it means they can get away with a lot more. Yeah, they can. And I think, like, yeah, so in that interview, they talk about, obviously, and the kind of adhering to a house style and a kind of really clear kind of visual style, it's it's useful to keep that group small yeah. rather than kind of large. But also, something, I guess, maybe not talked about so much in, in the sort of protest and activist world is the idea of safety. Right. And that, actually so you yeah. you do need trust and you you need to you know really consider safety because what you're doing is putting your head above the parapet yeah. you know pointing out something that is a uh, well in this case pointing at a kind of power structure yeah. that's, that is very powerful yeah. and so i think that also is like you know if you start having an open call it starts getting away that control starts getting away from you a bit doesn't it yeah, about knowing and, those and the people. element of safety is lost because 
you can't keep track of who's saying what or who's got connections to where or exactly what people's intentions are necessarily yeah um because one of the one of the main things that i get from the gorilla girls is um they're you know not just championing like women artists and, and the representation throughout history and and, and artists of color as well but they're really trying to infiltrate the art world as a power structure yeah in the sense it's 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 inaccessible it's incredibly money orientated it's it's that they talk about the redistribution of wealth and and artists making a living and 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 the way that the museum boards are ran you know they're really taking on this monumental power structure that's incredibly corrupt and incredibly toxic and and really trying to change it kind of from within they're trying to put a real spoke in the in the wheel exactly yeah um so that's quite a monumental thing you know it is and in that interview they're asked you know have since you started has have things got better has there been a change and i think when you're dealing with such a huge task which is like trying to dismantle this incredibly embedded way of working and kind of hierarchy you don't really fix it in a couple of years and you probably don't fix it in your lifetime and you probably don't fix it. You're yeah. just part of something that's a lot larger. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I don't think we'll get to a point where the Gorilla Girls or all the others... Cease to exist. Uh, yeah, and they're yeah. not needed because yeah. we've fixed that problem now. But I think they answer that in a beautifully nuanced way because they're like, are there more women and people of colour artists in top galleries? Yes. Yes. But is that now become a purely tokenistic act? Yes. So, and I find that so interesting because to me that applies to all art and and especially like talking about what we were talking about last week about taking a Pride Month gig or taking a Women in Jazz gig or taking a, you know, Black History Month gig. It's like, how do you increase representation when that's something you're fighting for so much Mm -hmm. and want to be visible and yet not, be tokenistic yeah and not kind or of not be support and benefit from the system that is failing fucked. you yeah. yeah exactly not stand side by side a, a brand that is you know never serving yeah your community or, or an act of disservice you know it is really difficult it's a very nuanced position to have and i thought they answered that really well they were like you know this is actually about you know as you say like dismantling a system yeah and, and being a part of that um and on all levels and also like uh, what they say about wealth is really inspiring because like just to purely have more women artists or people of color artists in your gallery does not that's not where the work stops that's really where the work begins because then we need to look at like what this art is being sold for how much of the proceeds are actually going to artists like you know it's it's like so you know we start to get into the actual nitty-gritty of like how wealth is distributed in the art world which is so i mean there's such a, an inequality there yeah and it's i think that's it's this kind of central issue in activism of visibility versus normalization mm. and like you say okay you you increase the 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 visibility of women artists artists of color in galleries that's like step one but there's so much that there's so much baggage that surrounds that, that that's not like, okay, we don't have to worry about this anymore. Because mm. I think there has been a kind of heartening shift in the last few years when you see, um, you know, you see museums and galleries announce their seasons uh, shows and you do see certainly more 
kind of solo shows that aren't um, held by white men, yeah. which was always a massive thing. You know, it's like, and that's, this is a really interesting thing as well about what, when you're trying to create parity, different, um, there's different sort of units of, of visibility, if you like. So having five works by women in your collection of 100 versus having five solo shows exactly. in your program of eight has massive there's massive difference exactly. between you know the, those kind of units of measurement especially how you present them because you're not going like you know you're not 11 months of the year having like white male solo shows and then for one month you're going and here's one show by lots of women you know that's, yeah yeah exactly that to me i hate when you see that mm-hmm. because it's like no like we need consistency even if what you're doing is in smaller amounts but it's consistent i think is much more effective than going and now we've done our tick box for once a year that's the ultimate kind of token performance act isn't it yeah a a huge gallery yeah um you're right i've definitely been aware of more women artists and more people of color artists having solo exhibitions at major galleries in london but it's, it's still very interesting when we look at the momas and the you know like in these more historic collections. And the private, I mean, private, private wealth I mean, is the, so yeah. different. I, mean, I guess the thing, and they do touch on this in that interview and, and other places, is there's just a fundamental difference between, so they're American, so the American art world mm. and the in the UK art world, because we have public, public funds. Yeah. And with public money comes requirements. requirements. Yeah. So it's like you remove those requirements. But... That isn't kind of worn. It's not. It's not a thing on the door saying we have to do these things. Boom, 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 boom. So it's very easy to imagine that they are one and the same thing. Private and public galleries, same thing. Absolutely not. No. Very, very different things. And there's no kind of regulation to a private um, gallery. They have no obligation to anyone. No. And so that's where it becomes. Very interesting to see if they're actually yeah, moving. because it centres around the money as well. And it's really interesting when we start to look at this from an intersectional perspective, which the Guerrilla Girls really do, because they start talking about the people who are on these boards having links to, like, profiting out of private prison systems. and mm-hmm. like um, Big Pharma is yeah, a big like, one. And, um, like, having, you, you know, to, like... Um, like unsustainable like energy farms and like whatever like whoever it is like there's you know they're really bringing in you realize that a lot of the people that are you know creating this disparity of wealth and and corruption in the art world their 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 wealth that they make comes from yet further issues that we're trying to fight against so it's like you can really there's a real intersectionality to their cause absolutely know? and they, i think they talk about that really eloquently when they say you know if we accept that art you know, in the US and, and, you know, private galleries in the UK, if we accept that that kind of... the money turns the wheels of the art world to such an extent that it does now, then, at the very least, the boards um, have to be interrogated and we have to understand where that money comes from. There's a really interesting um, essay that kind of, I think from the the early 90s, um, that compares that kind of examines guerrilla girls and i guess they've been around for a few years um 
compares what happens in the art world with what ha- what would be considered kind of illegal insider trading in the finance sector. Right. Um, because you'll have people on the board of a gallery that also work for an auction house or that also, so you know... where do their interests lie? That's right. the thing. And they're always going to be coming at it from... Exactly, and it ends up being game. a little bit like money laundering, right? Yeah. And I think that's, that's definitely a thing that we see a lot where companies that are involved in making the world worse <laughs> um, can use sort of arts and culture as a way to improve their reputation. Totally. Um, because I think, and maybe that's a cynical way to look at where they put their money, but I I don't think no, it's inaccurate. I don't think it's inaccurate at all. They're like, look, look how cultured we are and how much we're giving back. And Yeah, and we're not like, just like ruining the world with our oil business. We're also... Actually, we're also ruining the art world. <laughs> we're going to wreck it all before your eyes. And we need to remember, like, you know, what they bring up as well, the Gorilla Girls, they're like, very few people are making a living from the art they make. Because exactly. Because, you know, it's like how little money actually goes back into the hands of the artists. Like, once things start getting sold at auction, like, the resale rights for art is, like, shit well that's the really interesting thing and uh, uh, they they talk about this a little bit but they do talk this idea of nfts non-fungible tokens yeah there's there's a new thing right which is um so a big problem if you are a, a visual artist and you paint you paint a painting and you sell it to someone who you know pays whatever ten thousand pounds for it that that's the end of your ability to generate yep. money from that piece. Um, now that person who's bought your painting, as your kind of reputation grows and your the visibility of you as a, a, a creative grows, so does the value of that piece of art that yeah. that person. So when when they sell it, they get twenty five grand for it. Mm-hmm. So they've profited, but n- it's not like you get a percentage. There's no royalty system. There's mm-hmm. no, and and one of the I think you know these kind of new technologies are not without problem. There's a really bad kind of carbon footprint for NFTs. But the really interesting thing is the ability to address that and to, to make sure that because it can be sort of tracked digitally, you artists don't have to just cap their income that one time they sell right. it. They can they can write into the contract that they will get mm. 3% in perpetuity yeah. as it moves through the world or whatever um should they choose which yeah. is a big a big shift from like there's a whole world in the arts not just in visual art of people who make money from other people's Past work product, yeah. and that's a big power shift or a potential big power shift that allows the artist a little bit more autonomy than having to you know just submit to that world yeah. you know but then the, the Gorilla Girls were hesitant to endorse it as an yeah. idea for that reason because they kind of said, well, I'm pretty sure this is what they were saying, but it was like, we're hesitant to say this is great because it it does kind of still endorse the world in which, you know, we, we were about keeping the price of art low. Yeah. And, and the whole point is that this whole system that we're talking about is just high-priced art. So, yeah. like... We, we can't say this is great because, like, they, they've tried to keep all their posters at, what, like, $30 or something so that anyone can buy a Gorilla Girls poster and, like, 
put it on their fridge and stuff and it's that thing of like making art publicly accessible yeah exactly because there's a thing um there's there's an interview where one of them talks about yeah they say like even though it's a lot more work the idea of small exchanges really works for us it spreads our ideas and message anywhere a book or a poster or a t-shirt can go it's a new paradigm compared to the old market model where the artwork gets more and more expensive and more rare as it gets better known exactly and which is this concept is one we have talked about with Keith, Keith Haring, Haring. Um, really interesting you know their motivation for creating art is about um, awareness spreading so get it out everywhere and that so the way one Posters of their and badges exactly so that as many people as possible see it there yeah. isn't a financial barrier and their sort one of their I guess markers of success is how widely that spread, yeah. which is so different. Not the price. Exactly. And I think that point of rarity is really interesting because there, there, is a, there are a lot of artworks that are never seen by anyone other than the, the artist and the buyer. Yeah. The secondary art market is, is quite something. And so there's, you, you have to interrogate that as a sort of what your success looks like if there's only two people that ever get to see that piece. Mm. There's a, a really interesting thing. And, you know, because a lot of public galleries, well, I would say all public galleries, have less money than private galleries, mm-hmm. they, there's a, prob, you know, a problem with trying to obtain works that they feel are kind of culturally significant because um, they don't have enough money. Um, so it's, it's really... I think music doesn't have it this as as big a problem as this although there's certain like similarities but the money this the amount of money involved in the art world is just obscene it really is and like that's what and obviously that is sickening but it's also newsworthy so you might never have seen you might be have no interest in visual art but you've you probably know that a Picasso sold for yeah, 40 million like or whatever. The you know. Size, you know, yeah. yeah, which is like a kind of sad state of affairs that capitalism has infiltrated that to such an extent. Yeah. Like it's, it's like what people say about the, f- the sporting world as well. Like yeah. Footballers, you know, and their salaries and that it, it is, it gets to such an excessive thing where you're like, I cannot believe that there's this amount of money floating around and boards of people profiting off of this, you know? Yeah, exactly. Something that's for entertainment and for enjoyment and passion and yeah. creativity. I mean, I'm stretching now with a football <laughs> anecdote, but, but um, you know, I, it is sad. And, and, and that's what, when I see Folk Like the Gorilla Girls, I'm like, this is it, you yeah. know? Because it's DIY as fuck. Yeah. And, like, the Gorilla Girls could be literally, like, in the Priscilla Palace making posters. Exactly. Like, as much as they could be in, like, some amazing penthouse in Manhattan or something. You know? Yeah. It's like, we just don't know. But yeah. there's an accessibility there. Definitely. You know? And even with the anonymity, you look up the Gorilla Girls, you will find straight away what they're about. You'll see the posters. It's very well done, very well communicated. Yeah. Um you know what they stand for. Like, it's just, I like that, you know, I like that no bullshit activism. Definitely, you know? yeah. And so, okay, well, let's talk about what they what the works look like. Right, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, because I think in the first episode we talked about, I mentioned Gorilla Girls as sort of... Yeah, a, and then I realised that I actually have one of their magnets yeah. in the fridge. Yeah. And so which one? Do you have the naked one? I have one? the Met one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll post a pic of it on our Instagram. So the, I guess the style is very much like um, kind of newspaper headlines. It's very collage. Yeah. yeah. So um, like bold, easy to read typeface. Um for quite a long time when they started, there was there was no use of colour. So like black and white, actually, like newspapers. Um, they kind of, you know, look at the context that they cr- were created in, the 80s, the kind of age of excess and of like corporate brands. Mm. And um, I guess a, the big explosion of like these the use of slogans and marketing and kind of like they use that. To their to undermine that system is really interesting. So a lot of them look like kind of public service announcements. Yeah, yeah I think that's totally. But it is. It's very like stop press. Like yeah, no woman artist, and there's you know they poke fun. At, yeah, they really poke fun. And a lot of it is just like really clear. Like it's fact. A lot of it's facts and figures. Yeah, a statistics. Lot of statistics. Yeah. Um, just like yeah, they literally their- did. It was really funny. They did a, that report card. Yeah. Work for like loads of private gallery owners and it was just like in the style of like a fourth grade report card it was like based on how much representation of women and people of color artists and it was like you know so and so like could do better yeah. so and so re- you know abysmal you know like it's, it's fantastic there's like a really nice use of like humor and but also straight talking like super- you are shit get your act together yeah you know? and you, that makes it quite hard to hide behind because mm. it's like the this is here are the facts yeah there's there's not a lot of opinion in their work it's just like pointing to yeah. information and being like look at this everyone make your no, own mind there's, up there's the removal of ego yeah itself. it's not one person going i really think this is terrible it's like look at this yeah Do you think that's okay shining, everyone? It's like shining a big spotlight on something yeah you know? and one of the interesting things that someone said was like because I mean I think it's it's fairly well recognised that the majority, if not all, of the Gorilla Girls are themselves artists and creatives, mm. um, and this sort of sense that kind of gallery owners and people on the boards and people in the art world, the kind of fear that they then had yeah, that be they could be next, yeah. and uh, or you could be having a conversation with one and you wouldn't know, mm. um, that like you said, really allowed them to like get the scoop, get the inside mm. scoop, because they probably were at kind of um, exhibition openings oh, and totally, like all yeah, the parties yeah, and all, all that stuff. parties, mingling, mingling, mingling. Having a like, right old time. He's a dickhead, let's yeah. get him next. He just he's said this, shop. oh, we'll just put this thing here. Yep. Um, and yeah, one I really liked, the second one, the second kind of big thing that they did was um, they sent a bunch of like um, sign and return cards to loads of male artists um, basically asking for permission to use their name in this poster. And the posters basically said, um, we've encouraged our dealers to represent more women and people of colour, have you? And then there's a list of people who signed and said, yes, include I mean, me. super... Which is like... Out in the open, right? If your beautiful. name's not on yeah, that, if your you're, name's on you're it. not looking good. Um, and like... It is there's a slight play on shame. With oh, the, oh, the, oh, there is, and they do say kind of humiliation shame, as yeah. a, which is, and we've talked about that before. This is, is controversial. They are controversial as a movement, but they, they, 
they've said themselves, you know, that that they realise that that kind of ridicule can really disarm yeah. power structures. I mean, it's really interesting because to go slightly off piece slightly, this is really reminding me of something. I watched this documentary on Netflix the other day called Hating Peter Tatchell that was all about Peter Tatchell's activism. I don't know how much you know about Peter Tatchell. Mm-mm. Very interesting figure in British queer activism. Okay. Um, uh, you know, when Stonewall was kind of... Stonewall was kind of the more palatable movement that was founded out of Peter Tatchell's activism. Okay. That started in groups like Outrage. And mm-hmm. this was like pre-AIDS and then through the AIDS pandemic... It, um through the AIDS crisis and, and beyond and, and is now like over to Russia and being like beaten up by police because I mean he's someone that's like been part of the struggle all his life yeah but one of his most controversial tactics was he really took took on the church as a power structure um, and highlighted a lot of the hypocrisy of the church and outed a lot of the senior figures of the church who outed them as being gay yeah yeah while staying silent against you know all the homophobic preaching of of the sure yeah 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 um and loads of people and loads of gay people really hated him for it and he was publicly like he was like the most hated man i mean bullets sent to his door every day like five locks on his house door in kennington but that documentary is so interesting because it kind of takes you through it and the archbishop of canterbury at the time you know he he did like easter sunday direct action that broke into a service was up at the altar you know really serious activism we're talking about and the archbishop of canterbury at the time was slating him and then he kind of looks back and 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 this is like i don't know maybe like what is it maybe 30 years on and he's like no, I respect him now for, for, for what he did. You know, he, he was very principled. But at the time, it was such a controversial act because it was. It was like such a shaming of of these people who obviously then lost their positions and their marriages were ruined. And, yeah, and, yeah. But, but, you know, it worked. Yeah. I must say, we would not have the the LGBT rights and legislation that we have in this country if it weren't for Peter Tatchell. Sure, yeah. That is undeniable. Yeah. And then you can say what you want about his methods, but, you know, it's very interesting. So that, that there is a controversial thing about using shame in your activism. There, there, it is difficult. And know? I think, but at its heart, I mean, activism isn't supposed to be something that makes everyone feel good, yeah, right? it's, it's like set easy all the time. I've, I've been out at protests where I've not, I've, I don't think I've ever felt easy. You know, I've never felt like no. comfortable with no. everything that's going on. It's it's that it's that thing of it. The moment you don't know where it's going to go. Absolutely, you know? and like you know, activism. I guess at its root is about questioning very large and powerful figures or organizations. Yeah. Um, that's not a fun time for anyone, you mm. know. And but it's yeah, important you're not there work to be. Oh, cushy, aren't you? Yeah, and it's not there to just make pat everyone on the back and say, "Well done for doing yeah. a good job." You know what I mean? It's like always questioning, always making a bit of trouble. Yeah, really. and I think that's a really interesting thing about the sort of use of anonymity and pseudonyms versus not, and I guess plays it into that sort of safety thing where um, the guerrilla girls aren't getting bullets sent to their door because well, no one knows thing. who they yeah. are. I mean, yeah, Peter Thatcher was like on. It, national and international television being absolutely p- 
put through the ringer. But yeah. like you know, these kind of Jeremy Kyle style talk shows, yeah. like the audience just like screaming at them, and that's what the Gorilla Girls have managed to very classy kind of way of just taking themselves out of that. They're like, we are not putting ourselves in that situation. It's very powerful. It, it is, and I think we do need them both. We need the named individuals who essentially sacrifice their lives, their lives for something, yeah. and then we need the co- collective groups that do remove work, the personality and buy themselves the space in which to do really powerful yeah. stuff because they wouldn't what have was the way. I mean maybe they've done it a few times but Gorilla Girls actually went into a major gallery and like stuck up maybe they've done this action a few times like little cards kind of explaining um, what was it again tell me so there again, yeah there's been there a couple a, there's one which is that, you know it was quite subtle but it just they managed to get in and like stick up you know next to a lot of these works like they kind of Re, the kind of written out bits of history yeah. and so like this is a real part of their work and and which is a, a a cultural movement all of his own this thing that they call uh, culture jamming which is this idea of like take undermining a structure by sort of um hijacking it um so they would you know if you wanted to call attention to you know, for example, the the colonial past of an artwork mm. um, in 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 a gallery. Um, most most artworks in a gallery are accompanied by a little plate yeah. next to them. Gives information about the artist, a little bit of context, historical, whatever, um, to mock them up. So at first glance, they look like they are endorsed by the created by mm. the gallery. But what they actually do is highlight something. It's a really interesting kind of subversive action. Yeah. They've done that a lot. And they've also done, there's a, a handwritten one, which is like a, a little kind of pink post-it note almost. Um, really nice sort of cursive, like friendly text, which mm. is like, dear art collector, we've noticed that there's an underrepresentation. I'm sure you're as worried as we are. Yeah, it's um, very Like lots of love, cheek. like little, yeah. there's a little flower next to it, whatever very sarcastic um but this is the thing i think if they were one big internationally renowned troublemaking figure no way would they be able to step in foot into these major no they wouldn't and put these things no up, they would not know? so that that's exactly why yeah yeah um and so i think my favorite um work of theirs is the advantages of being a woman artist have you seen that one i don't think so um so this was the first thing i saw of theirs and I think, interestingly, and this is a whole thing of itself, I probably did see it in Tate Modern first. The interesting thing about um, protest art being shown in the gallery space when it often protests that yeah. hierarchy, right? Yeah. So we'll just we'll think of that what you will. Mm. Um, but there's a room in Tate Modern in their, in their permanent collection, which is, yeah, to do with feminism and kind of protest art. Um, so, yeah, there's this thing that I've, um, kind of a really good example of this headline sort of news type face thing which is a massive headline the advantages of being a woman artist and then it just gives a list so um, working without the pressure of success not having to be in shows with men having an escape from the art world in your four freelance jobs knowing your career might pick up after you're 80 being reassured that whatever kind of art you make it will be labelled feminine not being stuck in a tenured teaching position, seeing your work live on in the work of others, 
having your having the opportunity to choose between career and motherhood, not having to choke on those big cigars or paint in Italian suits, having more time to work after your mate dumps you for someone younger, being included in a re- in revised versions of art history, not having to undergo the embarrassment of being called a genius and getting your picture in the art magazines wearing a gorilla suit. And I think that is glorious. That is genius. Um, it's so beautifully nuanced, like and tongue in cheek. So it's like use of kind of really clear vocabulary, really clear language, very stark. Mm. Um, it's got a bite to it. Real well. bite, like properly subversive because they could, if, if they were questioned, they could easily say, I, well, I'm, I'm being honest. Yeah. I like all those yeah, things. So yeah, this yeah, is yeah. this is you know this is a this celebration. Is yeah. yeah, it's great. And so, actually, the subversion, the, the activism, goes on in the mind of the viewer, not mm. in the artist. Right? Yeah, it's us joining those dots. We and join being the dots. Outraged. They show they're us not information. Like, this is terrible. Exactly. You're like, Fuck, that's terrible. They're not given. They're not telling us what to think. We are mm. choosing to do that, which I think is Very another clever. really powerful thing to do. Um, because we know a lot of people don't react well to being shouted at and told what no, to do. No, then you're automatically on the, on the defence. Exactly. If you join the dots for yourself. Uh-huh. And then that's a lot more kind of, a lot more empowering as well for people to feel like they're connected to something if yeah. they do that work themselves. Um, there's, yeah, so the, I guess this, the culture jamming thing, so you kind of hij- hijack... Um, a lot of it's like mass media, that kind of thing. Some other sort of examples of it. Well, I mean, Marcel Duchamp is one of them. So his, he, one of his works from like, I don't know, maybe 19, 1919 or 1920 um, is the Mona Lisa, but with a moustache. Right. Um, I, but also, I mean, his ready-mades where he would take everyday objects, put them into the gallery space as art is yeah, subversive yeah, in itself. Yeah. Um, there's one actually someone in Birmingham so uses a pseudonym the the pseudonym Foka Wolf F O K A Wolf um to do this uh does it so beautifully um there you should follow in follow him on Insta or her I suppose them on Instagram um so same thing kind of public service announcements that are like secretly subversive so one of them was that they took uh, an ad for housing development. Um, so yeah, like a land acquired sign. Um, and then they they added in at the bottom. Um, so the top is just a really normal billboard, land acquired, a residential development of apartments and houses. And then the line at the bottom says, to view a soulless overpriced orange box, call this number, erasing history to maximise profit. Now, you drive past that, you just see it as a real billboard, right? It looks right? so... It looks the part. And yeah. that's really... Oh, there's another one, yeah. Have you got a problem with the government slowly eroding your rights? Protest now in one of our state-of-the-art protest pods. <laughs> Shout and yell until your heart's content in our soundproof, weather-resistant, underfloor, heated, sweaty ball. <laughs> the pretty pointless protest pod. And then there's a little picture of Pretty Patel saying... I will remove your fucking throat if you as much as clap in a public space. <laughs> um, I love it. Uh, these kind of like, you know, kind of mm, kind of spoof ads and stuff. Yeah. So amazing. They yeah. make you laugh, but they they've such a punch behind yeah. them. They're so memorable. Nice and what's really there's a real 
you kind of feel like when you do that work of joining the dots yourself or noticing something you feel like you're part of a sort of a club because not everyone will recognize that right Mm. there'll be a thousand people that walk past that billboard not a thousand people realize that's yeah. a, there so there's you, there's it's, a it's sense of like if you know you know yeah and like, then there's like, like oh nudge, nudge. yeah which is totally. a really nice kind of community building i love that. thing i think a lot of art has that like yeah there's layers to stuff and it's like if you know you know like yeah a lot of music a lot of, you know there's a lot of people never listen to a lyric and then or like won't know what it's about or there's a, a sarcasm there, or an irony or whatever, you know. Especially now we're sort of bombarded with information. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And you have to choose what you see and yeah. what you hear. And, um, when you do the work to do that, you find lovely little kind of nuggets yeah, of stuff. Yeah, little deeper meanings. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that. I'm excited to see these billboards. Yeah, so let's talk about those billboards. So The male greys is a great one because... I love that idea. They describe it as like, you know, we all know about the male gaze, but it's actually the male greys, like men just like chomping away. Yeah, it's consumption, like, isn't it? Yeah, Which like we're just consuming your space and you're in the market and we're taking, you know, it's much more kind of violent the way they Exactly. It. And we, we've talked about that before, that the kind of, yeah, so art as something to be consumed, which mm. is a very interesting thing. So, yeah, so there's basically, there's two things. So there is an a, an online event um, on the 26th, um, which is kind of Q&A. So they do quite a lot of that, kind of lectures and Q&As. So they are doing that with Art Night. So they all kind of talk about the work and then their other stuff. And then um, people can kind of ask questions. So that's free to book and we can put a link in the in the thing and then there's a list of places where the billboards are so there's one near you isn't there yeah i'll be hitting up it's old street isn't it yeah so there's one on my walk here we'll put we'll put the full information up but yeah so there's one um one on old street and then there's one on borough market the kind of london bridge area uh there's one in digbeth in birmingham um, one, oh, there's one in Dundee. There's one in Glasgow at the Barrowlands, I think. Yep, one in the Barrowlands, uh, one in Cardiff, one in Swansea, one in Lewes, just uh, on the coast. Um, oh, there's another one in Swansea, and one in Morriston, and one in Headingley in Leeds. Um, so they only exist for a month. Um, so what we'd quite like you to do is take a picture of them for yes. us because. Well, we, we unfortunately can't go on a tour. We can't go on a UK. tour. So, too busy, darlings. we have to, we, we, what would be really nice is if we could collect as many as we can, maybe them all. Yeah. Um, be our eyes and ears. So we can see them because this is, after a month, they're going to go away forever. And we so we, we, we just won't ever see them. So if that is somewhere near you, it'd be really nice if you could send us a picture Please of do. you and it or yep. just it, whatever you want. Um, I mean, I th- I get the impression that there'll be different billboards as well, so um, yeah, you won't you won't be able to see them all um, unless you do a tour. So yeah. there's a sort of exclusivity there. So go and take pictures of them. Yeah, please do because they will be glorious. Um, they'll probably I'm excited, be... especially after talking about them. Yeah, you know, it's like I'm excited to see what they come up with now. and excited to see people's reactions yeah. to them as well. There's one one of the um, one of the girls uh, talks about one of the first things that they did, they went in under the cover of darkness one night and put up posters around MoMA, um, which was kind of the first thing that, that, that their first kind of action. Um, and 
they one of them was kind of just around decided to sort of hang around by one of the posters just to see what the reaction was um and an art dealer kind of well-known art dealer walked past with her little boy and she kind of stopped because i think this was the work where they actually um yeah so moma had this big international survey of painting and sculpture so that that's those are kind of really problematic because the museum or the gallery will say we're going to do this massive look at this big huge amount of work but we'll curate 14 pieces out of that and so very interesting is the are the choices that they make or Mm. the or the things they omit um and the little boy said oh mummy what's wrong what does that mean and the the art dealer was very cross and sort of said oh it's nothing just ignore it Mm. and that was the first time they'd seen an actual reaction to the work. And it's very interesting that if that art dealer knew they were being watched by exactly. Would they have had that reaction? 100%. Would they have had a different one? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see any kind of public art is really, there's like twofold. It's really nice to see the work, but it's also really nice to see oh, other you people. Just wanna, you almost want to set up a camera and, and see the reaction. Exactly. It's so performative, isn't it? Like, yeah. Like the reaction. Definitely. And, and like we've talked about before, things like this, often provoke very strong reactions yeah. either way in people which to me is the what good point. art should do yeah, yeah, yeah. um so yeah we'll post there's like full addresses we'll post them and also if you do have a gallery near you you can kind of add to the male grays project yeah. you can add in your information and we'll share the website link so you can do that um the more information they get the, the more powerful it's going to be right yeah. the bigger they, they, they can... don't know what the outcome will be you know that it's, it's a living breathing project they don't know what these statistics are going to look like and and um it'll be very interesting they're, they're giving you an opportunity to really be a part of the the research and that was which is great and it's also just a really interesting way You've probably, you know, you've been in a gallery, you've been there, you've been around it a lot. You, you'll have your own way of moving through it and your your own things that you notice and don't notice. Really interesting to have someone sort of give you a task. Yeah. No, focus on this. Yeah, and this. because quite often we're just there to consume. But what are we consuming and how do we feel about it and who is it from and how did it get there and exactly. all these questions we might not be asking. And I think that's a really important bit of activism is asking people to to ask themselves yeah. important questions totally. um so empowering people to do that exactly and then they'll and then you can come to your own conclusion about whatever it is that you find um but yeah it's really worth having a look at um they have a couple of books that have been out and obviously their stuff is really easy to obtain because yeah. that's part of their sort of yeah, it's politics um it's just great visually it's really powerful mm. and it will make it makes you laugh and smile and feel all the things you should feel um and they want you to wear it and have it on your walls yeah. and carry it around so as i say i've got a magnet on my fridge you know exactly it's an everyday so thing. you can be part of their movement absolutely um we'd encourage you we all. would um yeah beautiful that was nice wasn't it? we love the gorilla girls we do I'm they're very better gorilla lily yeah gorilla that's a hard one, isn't it? Oh, look at me. <laughs> um, right, bye. See you later.